We praise you, God, yes. We praise you for the freedom that is found in your name, Jesus. There's no other name that has been given that we can be saved, that we can be freed from our sin, from the chains of our circumstances. We are free, and we are free in you. We are free to worship this morning. We are free to live for you. We are free to give you all the glory and declare that you are worthy. Help us to not just know that in our heads. Help us to believe it in our hearts, Lord. Speak to us through your word. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. Last week we looked at verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We talked about that Jesus came and gave a positive spin on a philosophy, a rule, a skill, a, a virtue that had been in place for a long time. And Buddha talked about it. Uh, later on, he had his own spin. Confucius had his own spin. The Hindus had their own spin. The Greeks had their own spin. They all came from a negative angle. But Jesus comes and gives it positive. He said, don't look at what people don't do right. Look at pe what people do right. And then do what they what, how you want to be treated. And then verse 13. Now we know that in Matthew chapter 5, there in verse 1, we know that Jesus is sitting down, his disciples are gathered around him, and there's a huge, huge crowd all around. He retreated from the huge crowd. There was too much, and he wanted to have this time of teaching this, this message in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's almost like in this particular scripture, in this particular verse of scripture, in verses 13 and 14, that he switches gears for a brief moment, and then he switches back, and we'll see how that happens in the next several weeks. But in chapters 5 and 6, he's talking about our vertical walk with the Lord. And then in chapter 7, he talks about our horizontal walk with other people. And so loving God, then loving others. I wonder in verse 13, what was his tone? I, I, sometimes I look at the teaching of Jesus, and, and because we don't have that he raised his voice, he lowered his voice, we, we just try to read in and try to see kind of the context, what was going on. But I, I'd like to know how Jesus spoke these words enter by the narrow gate. I wonder if it was with emotion. I wonder if he did it with, uh, you know, just kind of like pleading with the people. I wonder if he did it, you know, uh, really, you know, thus saith the Lord type approach. This is the way it is. Was he, was he very firm with it? Did he say, enter by the narrow gate? Did he look at everybody in the eye? Did he repeat this two or three times? Did he say, enter by the narrow gate, enter by the narrow gate, enter by the narrow gate? Because this is really in, in just, you know, these five words, extremely important command, extremely important instruction for all of us. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. And so Jesus says, look, look around and see how you want to be treated. Be self-aware. 
about how you want to be treated and then treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Enter by the narrow gate. You see how it doesn't quite fit? There's a, there's a break in the, in the thought there. And, and so what did he do to emphasize enter by the narrow gate? But the words of our Lord Jesus are very clear. He's saying to all of us that are here today, he's saying to every single one of us, enter by the narrow gate. I can't think of anything more important to speak to seniors about to say, enter by the narrow gate. Before you go off into the world, enter by the narrow gate. To the seniors' parents, before you go to the graduation ceremony, enter by the narrow gate. The most important decision you will ever make in your life is enter by the narrow gate. Have you entered by the narrow gate? Will you enter by the narrow gate? Have you chosen to enter by the narrow gate or have you chosen to enter by the broad gate, the wide gate? Many don't choose to enter by the narrow gate because they perceive that Christians are hypocrites. You, you probably have heard that from family members. They, they are not believers in Christ. They do not believe that, that he is who he says he is. They do not see the significant of the words of Jesus. They, they don't revere the, the teaching of Jesus. They don't fear God because they perceive, they believe that Christians are hypocrites. Now, if you're one of those today and you have not entered by the narrow gate because you believe that Christians are hypocrites, you know what? You are absolutely right. You really are. You are sitting by a bunch of hypocrites today. We all are hypocrites at one point or another. We, we, many of us in here today are strugglers. We're trying hard to do what God wants, but we struggle. We struggle with all kinds of sin. We struggle with attitudes. We struggle with loving you, believe it or not. Sometimes we rock along all week long, and then something happens on Thursday afternoon or Friday in, the, in our work week, and we lose it. We lose our temper. Many times we're impatient. And, and if you were to see us at the wrong place during the week, you might say, oh, Lee, he stands up there on Sundays and he opens the words and he, he talks to us about Jesus. He's, he, he says this and he says that. But you know what? He is nothing more than a hypocrite because I saw him during the week and I, I, I saw his impatience, right? And you would be absolutely right. Lee Brewer, this guy right here, is oftentimes a hypocrite. Now, I don't buy that I'm a hypocrite all the time, but I am a hypocrite from time to time. And so if you're not going to enter by the narrow gate because the church is full of hypocrites, you're, you're really using the wrong reason to not enter the narrow gate. Because you see, the, the question is not, or the, the, the statement should not be, uh, is, are the people that believe in Jesus hypocrites? But the real question you need to be asking yourself is this, is Jesus a hypocrite? 
That's what you need to be asking. That's what you need to be asking. You see, the Bible says that Jesus was perfect, didn't sin. The Bible says that he was not a hypocrite. The Bible says that he is everything that it says that he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the perfect one. He's the only one that could shed his blood for the atonement of people's sins because he never, ever sinned. And so you need to be asking yourself the question, if the reason why you don't enter by the narrow gate is because you believe that, that the church people is hypocrite, you need to be asking yourself, is Jesus the hypocrite? Was he a hypocrite? Is he a hypocrite today by proclaiming that he would live forever and he's, de he's dead, if that's what you believe? Now, if you come to the place and you believe that Jesus was a hypocrite, that he didn't do the things he said he would do, that the things that the Bible says about him are not true, if you come to that point, then obviously you're not going to enter by the narrow gate because if you have that viewpoint, there's no gate to enter by. But don't use as an excuse not to enter by the narrow gate is because Christians are hypocrites, because Christians are hypocrites, but Jesus is not. And that's a huge mistake to make. Another reason why people don't enter by the narrow gate is because Christianity is a crutch. I used to think that. I used to think about people who... who who worship Jesus and believe in Jesus and talk about Jesus, that they're, they just need a crutch. They're weak people. You know, when I was younger, I thought that. It was one of the excuses I used for not receiving Christ after someone told me about him. I don't want to be one of those weak people. I don't want to be one of those milk toast men. I, I want to be strong. I want to be, you know, able to stand by myself. I want to be able to do, you know, life without any kind of help along the way. You know, that's, that's really a, a, an excuse that people use for not entering the narrow gate. But when you really are objective about life and you really look at how things really are, isn't it true that everyone leans on something? I mean, it's not true that people don't need a crutch. We all need a crutch. There's not any of us that doesn't need a crutch. I need a crutch. You need a crutch. We, we need something to lean on. We, I mean, we're all leaning on something. And if you're not leaning on Jesus, you're probably lean, leaning on something else. And what you're leaning on has great potential to be very harmful to you. If you're leaning on your, your smarts, if you're leaning on your experiences, if you're leaning on your job, if you're leaning on your popularity, if you're leaning on uh, your pleasure times, if you're leaning on drugs, if you're leaning on alcohol, if you're leaning, leaning on whatever it might be out there, if you have chosen not to lean on Jesus, you're, you're leaning on a broken stick. That's a real mistake. So we're all leaning on something. I believe that with all my heart. Everyone leans on something. The old psalm that said everybody's going to worship something. Everybody's going to serve somebody. We're all going to be leaning on something. Wouldn't it make sense that you would lean on the crutch that won't break? 
the crutch that is helpful instead of harmful, the crutch that can always be there for you, the crutch that won't fail you, the crutch that won't betray you, the, 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 the crutch that will help your life. And that crutch is Jesus. And so I admit to you, if you're saying, I don't want to receive Jesus, I don't want to enter through that narrow gate because I don't want any crutches, I, I will admit to you that I am leaning on the crutch of Jesus. I, I believe in him. I trust in him. My life is better because of Jesus. I'm so thankful that I entered by that narrow gate because Jesus is worthy of my life. He is worth it all. He is worth leaning on him. He's strong enough to hold me. He's strong enough to be there for me. I need him. I really don't believe that I would have what I have today if I weren't leaning on Jesus. And so if you're using that excuse that you're not going to enter by the narrow gate because you don't be like one of those people who need a crutch, I think you need to really rethink that a little bit and really be honest about your situation and be objective about your life. Because I want, I want you to hear those words again. Everybody leans on something. We all need a crutch. Choose wisely about what your crutch is going to be. And Jesus is the best crutch of all crutches. Another reason that people use, which is really kind of interesting to me, because it's agreeing with the way things are, but being mad about it. Many people don't enter by the narrow gate, and they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven because that's narrow-minded. And it's not the way that they believe God should be. It's very interesting, isn't it, when we humans have a list of how we think God should be that is really the height of all arrogance that we would know better than God, right? God ought not to be that way. God ought not to treat people that way. That, that's not true. Why is it not true? Because I don't think that's the way God, and I want to worship the way God, I, the idea that I have of God. God should not be that way. God is not that way because I judge that's not the way God should be. And I just don't buy this narrow gate thing. It's too narrow-minded. It, it, it leaves too many people out. I just can't believe that, that God would be a God that, that would leave so many people out. And then we're going to find out that Jesus says here that Jesus leaves out more than he takes in. We'll see the many and the few aspect of that. I was with a pastor years ago. It was a very interesting conversation. And uh, we ran into this, this lady that he had been uh, counseling with her, her and her husband and talking with them and sharing the gospel with them. And, and they were questioners, they were seekers, but they had not entered by the narrow gate. And they told him, they says, we're going to go to the Universalist church that's down the road. And he said, what? You're going to do What? And she said, we've decided that it'd be best for our family. It'd be best for our, our kids and everybody involved for us to go to the, the Universalist Church, the Unitary Church down the road, Unity Church. 
And, and he said, do you know what they believe? And she said, well, a little bit. We, we've gone to a couple classes and we're learning. We just kind of like the spirit that's there. And he said, you know, they believe everybody goes to heaven. They believe there's no judgment. They believe there's no consequences for unbelief. Do you know that? Do you, do you, what he, in essence, what he was saying was, do you know that their idea is that the gate to heaven is really, really wide and everybody gets to walk through it regardless? And that's not true. That's not the way it is. And she said these words. I never forgot them. She says, well, I understand what the Bible says, but that's not what's best for our family at this time. And we want our kids to grow up in a church where they only hear good things. We don't want them to hear any bad things. And this narrow-minded thing to her was a bad thing. Was a bad thing. It's all over us, isn't it? It's all around us. And if you're one of those people that have an idea of how you think God should be, and you've not entered the narrow gate, the narrow door because of that, let, let me caution you. Let me warn you. Let me plead with you. Let me reason with you. Man, give it some thought because that's not according to the Scripture. That's not what the Bible says. And if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that's a huge error to make with your eternity. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. That means there is a narrow gate. And if there's not a narrow gate, Jesus is a fraud. And the result of that is, if Jesus is not who the Bible says he is, and if he is a fraud, if he is indeed a hypocrite, if, if he was just some really bright man, a real good moral person, and a great teacher, I mean, his teaching is masterpieces. I mean, all educators and all professors of teaching and how to communicate and, and, and have monologues and, and teach and, and sermons and and political messages and everything you do, if you'll learn from how Jesus did it, you'll really be good at it. If you can apply his principles to take everyday things and, and to bring it to light and show you truth out of that, man, you, you might really be a good teacher in something because he's really a good teacher. You just read through this as, man, he really could put it out there where people understand the people of his day understand, understood well all the agricultural things he talked about, and they were able to apply it. So if, if, if he was just a great teacher, a great moral voice for generations of, of all ages and for years to come, and that's all he was, then you have to understand something, that if Jesus is not God, then believers have lost nothing. If he's not God, we haven't lost anything. We've been kind of deceived here a little bit. We, we pretended, we did some things. But if Jesus is not God, we haven't really lost anything. But if Jesus is God and you choose not to enter the narrow gate, you lose everything. You lose everything. You have to. You have to let that. You have to let that set in. You'll lose everything. 
Jesus goes on to say about after he proclaimed, enter by the narrow gate. Listen to what Jesus says about this. Jesus says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. Those are the words of Jesus. He said the gate is wide. It's convenient. You can make a difficult turn. It's wide. It's not a narrow gate. It's a wide gate. You can walk in sideways. You can walk in backwards. You can, you can crawl in. It's a wide gate. The approach is easy. It's a wide gate. Many, many, many can walk through at the same time. It's the convenient of all gates. It's the most convenient. For the gate is wide and the way is easy. It is easy compared to the narrow gate. It's easy because you can believe anything you want to believe. You can live any way you want to live. You don't have any responsibilities. There's no accountability. There's no consequences for your actions. It's easy. You can just do your thing, man. You can have it your way. You can literally control your own destiny and enter by the broad gate, the wide gate. It's wide and it's easy because there are no expectations. There are no requirements. There are no conditions. Just come on in. However, do you see that it says it leads to destruction? It leads to destruction. And Jesus also said about it, he said, and those who enter by it are many compared to the few of the narrow gate. Many. Do you realize that when the world is done and it's over and the new world comes, the new Jerusalem comes, and all that end time things, revelation happens, and we're living in that, there's going to be far more people in hell than in heaven. Do you know that? How do I know that? Well, that's what Jesus says right here. That's the only way I know it. You know, so that, that one of the lessons of that is this. If everybody's doing it, it's probably not good. You kids need to hear that. If everybody does it, you probably don't need to do it. If it's the most popular place to be, it's probably not the place to be. The only thing I can think about that if the most people are there, it's probably the right place to be is where are you going to eat? I'm all for that. You're better off waiting in line for food than... You can, you can walk in that restaurant and sit down any time of the day you want. There's always a seat available. You know why? Because the food's not very good, right? That's the only thing I can think it applies. That's what Jesus says here. He says, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. And then in 14, he says about the narrow gate. He says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard. You know why it's hard? 
it's hard because it calls on us to deny ourselves. It calls on us to repent. It calls on us to confess that Jesus is Lord and we're not. That's why it's hard. It's not hard necessarily to believe the good news. It's hard to believe the good news. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me say it again. It's not necessarily hard to believe the good news, but it is hard to believe the good news. You know why? It's because we're full of ourselves. We want to be right. We never want to admit we're wrong. We live in a land today that's led by leaders that nobody admits they're wrong. George W. didn't admit he was wrong. You know, Clinton never admitted he was wrong. Uh, Obama never admitted he's wrong. Trump never admitted that he was wrong about anything. And Biden will not admit that he's wrong about anything. And, and we have, a, we have a, a society now that says that to admit you're wrong is weak and people won't vote for you. I'm just the opposite. If you would be honest with this and you'd be truthful, if you would say, man, I really messed up this oil thing and y'all are paying $6 a gallon or $4 a gallon, depends on where you live, because I made a real mistake and I listened to the wrong people and I want to fix it, I wouldn't vote for him, but, but I would think about it. I would go, yeah, there you go. I get it. I, I filled up this morning. What the heck, right? What are you doing? Then I hope Biden comes to church today. I'm going to let him have it. That's what I'm going to do. Right? I, I would love for them to be honest about things. And, and the reason why it's hard to enter by the narrow gate is because we won't admit we're wrong and confess that we have sinned against God and we have made mistakes. We have sinned, and we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. That's why it's hard. And, but the narrow gate leads to life, not destruction. It leads to life. It leads to abundant life. It leads to eternal life. That's worth it, isn't it? That's worth our confession. That's worth our acknowledgement that God is God and we're not. It leads to life, and it says... And those who find it are few. Now, what this scripture teaches us is something very, very important. This scripture teaches us that in all the world, with all the different kinds of people, with all the different kind of, of cultures and languages, there's only really two religions in the world. Did you know that? There are religions where man is trying to make himself right with God, and there is the religion that is accepting that what God has done makes us right with God. There's only two religions, self-denial, self-righteousness, God's way or man's way. And so the narrow way is this. We believe that what Jesus did for us on the cross pays the price of our sin, and our faith makes us right with God. That's the narrow way. The wide way is this. What we have done, what we are doing, what we have accomplished makes us right with God. So it's grace or works. Grace or works. So today, enter by the narrow gate. Have you? Have you entered by the narrow gate?
Have you entered by the narrow gate? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What's he speaking to you about? What are you hearing? Deep down there in the depths of your, of your soul, of your, of your heart, where that knower is, what is the knower saying to you today? You are my child. You have entered by the narrow gate. You're one of mine. I know you. You know me. You have repented of your sin. You have confessed that Jesus is Lord. Or are you hearing something different? Are you hearing, I love you and I want you to be part of my family? Are you hearing the Lord say, enter by the narrow gate, enter by the narrow gate, trust Jesus? The Holy Spirit is saying to you that what we have said about Jesus today is true. Enter by the narrow gate because what the Bible has to say about Jesus is true. And, and you're hearing it in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I recognize that I cannot talk any of you into entering by the narrow gate. I, I don't have any skills in that. I, nobody does. I can't make it happen. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. My responsibility is to stir it up a little bit with his word, to explain it the best I can, and, and, and just speak the words of God, and, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Are you hearing him today? And you need to enter by the narrow gate. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to those today that need to enter by the narrow gate. And they will respond. They will respond today, Lord. Father, perhaps you've been speaking to them for a long time. You've been speaking to them through their children. You've been speaking to them through their friends. You've been speaking to them through their family. Lord, for a long time you've been speaking. And today may be the day of their salvation as they enter the narrow gate through faith in Jesus, through belief in Jesus, through repentance, confession of sin, to enter the narrow gate. I pray, Lord, you'll speak to them. Lord, it may be today that decision needs to be made, Father, to renew their relationship with you, renew their fellowship with you. Lord, they're your children, but they have been apart. They haven't been following you. They haven't been obedient in many areas of their life. And and today, Lord, with your grace and mercy, your Spirit's calling them to be right again. Lord, may your will be done in our time of opportunity to enter by the narrow gate. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to stand and sing together. And if you're one of those that you're hearing the Holy Spirit speak, I want to enter an air gate. We're going to give you an invitation, an opportunity to come and stand so we can pray with you and talk with you about the decision the Lord's leading you to make today. Respond to what God's calling you to do. Let's sing together.